0: Coming up on the Assassin's Podcast, we've got one of my favorite people on the planet joining the show, Kristen Berman, behavioral scientist, CEO and co-founder of Irrational Labs, speaking with us about different things that companies should look for and look to behavioral science in order to help them answer critical questions about their businesses. She shares a couple practical applications and examples of ways in which behavioral science can be used by founders to drive better outcomes for their startups. She explains the 3B model of behavioral change and a couple of really cool examples and ironic instances that show that when you add friction to either a signup flow or onboarding flow, that it actually can yield better results and the importance of asking for help when making friends. Awesome episode. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. Assassins, get dollar signs, hustle, grind. grind.
1: grind. grind. <laughs> assassin's state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin's state of mind, assassin's state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin's state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin's state of mind, assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind, see them dollar signs, way above the bottom line, assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, a game, shopper for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. I can change one phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do business if it ain't reciprocated. Closing
0: deals on a daily. What is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your host, Justin Hey here at the Assassin's Podcast, where we help founders go from zero to one. This week, got an awesome guest on. We've been colleagues for almost like, I don't know, 20 years, feels like. I'm getting old.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Dating back. Yeah, I don't know. 20 years, at the University of Wisconsin connection. Best Buy?
2: Best Buy. Yeah, we were interns at Best Buy. That's a,
0: that's, little known, that's a little known fact about my work history. <laughs> <laughs> Not blue shirts. We were, we were, it was corporate. So it was, you know, uh, university of Wisconsin. She's the reason that I actually joined into it. Cause I was lost. I still remember calling you the day I was in the Sony Plaza contemplating what I was doing with my life. Uh, but a very close friend and someone that I have a lot of love and respect for, Kristen Berman, co-founder of Irrational Labs. Welcome to the Assassin's Podcast.
2: I am very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All
0: right. So to kick it off, I went way back into your childhood already, but figure if you would be down to share a little bit of a background on yourself. And honestly, what tell me a little bit or the listeners a little bit more about Irrational Labs and what led you to starting Irrational Labs.
2: Great. Yeah, Rush Labs is a behavioral economics consulting shop. So we basically study decision making. We think about why people do what they do, and then we help product and marketing teams try to apply that to change behavior. So it looks like trying to help a health tech company nudge people to be a little bit better with eating or going to the doctor. It looks like helping a fintech company try to help drive conversion to savings, or just top-of-the-funnel conversion. Um, so we, we study decision-making and we help folks apply it. And I got my start basically, I was at Intuit. Justin and I were, were hanging out, working together, and uh, met Dan Ariely, who's a behavioral economist, and basically fell in love with the idea that there's a treasure trove of insights already out there about how and why we make decisions. And as a product manager, I was, at the time, just like making it up. <laughs> You no, know, we were like we were talking to like five customers and then making big product decisions. And behavioral economics is is really the study of decision making from a more systematic and scientific approach. And so really fell in love with it and ended up quitting into it, working with Dan, going on to help found Google's behavioral economics team. We were there for like three years where we just were both of us had bus passes. We were consultants, but Had bus passes. And so, and then throughout the years, I've done work with Airbnb, TikTok, Microsoft, Lyft, and Uber, and then hundreds of startups and and teams to drive behavior change.
0: That's pretty sweet. As a follow up question to that, when does a company recognize that they need help here? You know, what is that catalyst for pain when they're like, oh my God, we don't know what the hell we're doing and we need to tap an expert for this?
2: Yes, the, the easiest companies at first realize it are are the actual behavior change companies where they think like, look, I'm trying to get somebody to do a thing, and so you know, Indeed hires us because they're trying to help people change jobs, and it's pretty clear that this is like a big life transition. It's it's something that you know it, it's not just a top of the funnel conversion thing. We have to deeply understand our users to help them get them from like you know A to B. Um, but in reality, most companies should be thinking about behavioral science because psychology, you know, if you're trying to build a product that fits in someone's life and solves a problem, you have to understand your user's psychology. And so the idea that like, you know, as a designer or a product manager that you don't deeply understand psychology should make us a little nervous. And so while we don't get called from every company, we kind of think behavioral scientists should be in the room for most of the product development process to help understand psychology's design for them and test them.
0: Just thinking back to when you got together with Dan, how did you all connect as co-founders? I've always just was curious to hear how that, how the matchmaking went down in the, in the early days.
2: Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I sent him an email after hearing him talk and said, look, I'm a product manager and I, I love this stuff. How can I help? And at the time, you know, I wasn't, thinking about quitting I was just really interested in the subject and Dan and I tried to design something where I would like take a sabbatical from Intuit and that that didn't fly and and so I didn't really know how I was gonna work with them and we started collaborating on like throwing conferences and I was like an event planner with him but basically just kind of hung out with him and and tried tried to be helpful for a few years yeah and then when Google hired him to do this full you know to set up their Behavioral economics shop. I was the person he knew and trusted in the bay, and through that, basically ended up getting I'd say kind of like my PhD through Dan. And for those of you guys who don't know, Dan Ariely is kind of the he wrote Predictably Rational, multiple New York Times bestsellers, kind of like the godfather of of behavioral economics, along with you know the names that other people do know, Thaler and Kahneman and Traversky and stuff. So, and obviously, I'm biased. I'm I I, I like him a lot, and so maybe people would debate that, but. But I would say
0: he's he's top. Yeah, yeah. I remember he did a keynote at Intuit Seats Off, and I was his handler, you know? Basically, the guy that was – he he had all the slides, so I was, like, helping him organize his slides, and I just was terrified. I was like, oh, my God. I was such a fanboy. I'm like, don't fuck this up. I felt like that was the whole – my whole experience with Dan, getting to know him. was like, oh, my God, I love this guy. Don't screw this up. Yeah. Very cool.
2: He's pretty gentle. So I think if you did, it would be, it'd be okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I still suck at making slides. This podcast is all about sort of helping founders on the journey from zero to one. From your perspective, I know you mentioned you worked with quite a few startups. What are maybe one or two practical examples or applications of behavioral science that you think founders might be able to use or leverage to help? drive better outcomes for them. And I know, again, everything is a little bit probably different or specific to their business, but I was going to see if there was any sort of framework that you suggest that founders might be able to to use.
2: Sure. Yeah. Let let me actually give an example of a company we just just worked with that, that could highlight kind of one of these core lessons. So we partnered with this fintech company, very popular fintech company, can't say the name. And... They brought us in at that point, they were looking at what is the next feature to build, right? Which is kind of a classic question. Um, And through all of their support forums, through every interview, the one thing came to the top of the list and it was budgeting. They didn't have budgeting feature yet and people were just yelling for it. And so if you're the PM there, you're kind of like, you know, cool, we're going to get this on the roadmap. You're probably going to talk to a few more users. You're going to get some more definition, but it's going to go on the roadmap. And so when we came in, they were super committed to this. And the one thing that we could get in was an experiment, a test. And so we ran a three condition experiment. One was a control and two treatments. And there are just two different versions of budgeting, kind of a classic one number budget. Another was like category budgeting, nothing too crazy. And then we saw does this actually reduce spend and we weren't surprised but the partner was shocked with the results which was there was actually zero spend reduction so no change in average spend no change in average or variability of spend no change when you're comparing what you spent today versus your historical spend just no movement and so the question i think we can reflect is like why is behavioral scientists weren't we surprised at this um and, and this is kind of the key step in, in product development that we think people miss, is basically thinking about what would have to change for something for somebody to do something like reduce their spend. And you list out every single step that someone would have to take in order to change their spend. And so you'd have to imagine they have to like know what they're currently spending They'd have to think about where they are in the month on their budget to know where they want to be. You'd have to remember at the point that you're about to spend that you do or don't want to spend. You then have to execute on that plan. So this, this is like, you'd have to bring a lunch. You'd have to say no to a friend to go out to dinner. And then you'd have to do that repeatedly over the month. And these things are incredibly difficult to do. And it becomes so obvious once you lay out all the steps when you're starting from a starting point to get to the behavior you want to change. And so what we tend to find in in startups and larger companies is a pretty simplistic model of of behavior that kind of like, says, you know, budget is just like, well, let me, they obviously want to change their spending. Let me just tell them how much they're spending and their goal. And then magic will happen. Like, actually, the really hard stuff is in the middle. And so we call this a behavioral diagnosis. And we do it with every single company we work with, which is figure out what the behaviors you want to change and then outline every single step that it takes to get there and sometimes at that point you don't even need a behavioral scientist because the, the solutions are just so obvious. It's like, you know, how many steps can you cut? What can you innovate to to change the steps to make it more likely that they do the thing that you're they're trying to do and you're trying to get them to do?
0: Yeah, with a lot of the patterns you've seen, I was just curious to see if there are like maybe one or two instances in in a study where you got a result that you weren't expecting.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, the thing that's kind of happening right now is is interesting is, um, so, so we say basically in our, we have a three B model of behavior change. And the first B is you pick a behavior you want to change. The second B is you reduce barriers to get to that behavior. And the third B is increase benefits, immediate benefits. So you can make, we're very present bias. And so you want to make something really immediately appealing. In the second B, the current logic for most product teams is make it as easy as possible, simple as possible, remove all friction. And what we're actually finding is sometimes that's not true sometimes you want to add friction in order um, to drive specifically sign of flows and onboarding. Mm. Um, So, but there's a specific type of friction that that we find is is more helpful than not to add. And it's actually a question. So actually, Justin, have I told you about my mother? Mm -mm. Yeah. Now you're thinking about my mother. I am. You are. And I there's am. nothing about my mother, by the way, but you're yeah. thinking about my mother. And so when you ask a question, you can get, by the way, that, that's a Dan Ariely special. He'll he'll ask people these types of things in meetings, and it, it's very off-putting. And yet you, you really get the idea that once you ask a question, people can start thinking about something different. Yeah. And your onboarding, your sign-up flow, that's the opportunity right there is to get people to think about something different and really so give you a few examples of who does this apartment list is a nice one where they say how many rooms do you want in your apartment well they're kind of telling me about their features and their benefits by asking me the question i know that they have studios i know that they have five bedrooms right they're like what kind of features do you want do you want a patio do you want a basement now i know that they offer me these types of apartments and so questions really can help people understand, actively understand the benefit of a product.
0: Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I think back to the study that we ran, where we had your help and support, Dan did a lot on motivators and y'all were just instrumental in helping us think through this because incentives were such a core part of recognition. But there were a lot of insights, I even think in that where, yeah, the point of friction, I guess, was maybe less relevant, but with rewards and recognition, you just think money and incentives are the best way to drive behavior change. And just going through that process with you, I think that was there was a lot of ahas for us. And honestly, it wasn't even just the product experience; it was positioning and messaging, and just all the value that you all provided to help us really kind of think through those those big yeah. questions that we we needed to figure out.
2: By the way, as, as an aside, for a hack for for folks in friendship, one hack that that Phil and I do, my husband, we ask people for help maybe more frequently than other people do. And why why would you do this? It's because when other people are giving effort there's a connection built. And so hmm. usually we kind of want to like, you know, again, decrease friction, make it as easy yeah. as possible to be my friend. But actually if you increase the friction to be your friend and you have people, you know, give you help. We actually, we have a daughter and we always invite our friends to, to give her a bath. And, you know, this is, we're at, it's kind of Tom Sawyering, folks. But in doing this, you know, people get more committed to to us and, and to her. And so it's a little, doesn't just have to work on sign-up flows. It could also work
0: that good. is interesting i guess yeah it does apply to relationships i was thinking of my friends i have a my neighbor they had somebody fall out last minute for hood to coast the mm-hmm. relay race from mount hood and they just signed me up as like a ringer to run last minute and wow, Justin, I ended, yeah. up, ru- ended up struggling through that but on the other side of it i ended up sleeping in a closet with this guy with my neighbor <laughs> and it was the most it not only did we sleep together in a field but also in like a tiny closet and now we're homies we're like Uh, we're we're besties now and uh, you know
2: this is called the sleep in the closet effect
0: that's right (laughs) you want to talk about friction two guys in a two guys in a closet after running 180 miles that's that's uh awkward anyway going forward okay i always ask this question and rounding things out here not many folks maybe know we didn't start with this. Well, we kind of made a plug for the Best Buy piece, but you were previously a founder of a networking company, a computer support networking company called Net Nerds. while we were going through college together. And I was curious to know, I was always inspired by you as an entrepreneur, especially in that stage you were hustling and doing your thing as the co founder of Irrational Labs what, if anything, would you tell Kristen, the co-founder of Net Nerds, looking back on that experience?
2: Yeah, so so net nerds, yeah, we helped college kids basically fix their computers. The reality of the business is it was you know you're you're getting people who will turn over every four years who are extremely cheap and only need you at one point in the year. Um, so, so basically I, I you know I, I think I would have told my younger self to like think bigger like I think I was you know trapped in, I'm gonna solve a problem for the subset of people that I know, and I I didn't see you know the bigger opportunity. You know, I was at the point where we were, it was like buying domains at that point was a cool thing. Like there was so much making websites. The only thing to do payments was like authorized.net, like way before Stripe's time. Like so many business opportunities around the internet, and I think I was focused on the rowdy routers for college kids sort of thing, and. Uh, so maybe the advice would be look up,
0: look up, yeah, yeah look, look up. up. That's good advice. All right, well, that I think it's a good place to wrap. Appreciate you coming on, Kristen. So I guess in wrapping up, what's next for Rational Labs, and is there anything else that you wanted to plug or uh, that you're working on?
2: I think basically behavioral science hopefully will get into the hearts and minds of, of products folks. You know, as I mentioned, I think it's something that can be used by every from the design to the PM, to the marketer. And so I'd encourage folks if they're interested in understanding more about the psychology of, of consumers, their users to sign up for our newsletter. So we just, we put out a lot of content about different psychologies and, and case studies. We have a boot camp that folks can take. Yeah. And just, and just get curious get
0: curious. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kristen. Much love for you. Appreciate you for all yeah. of your guidance and support over the years. I don't think I would have made the jump to into it and would be doing this if it wasn't for you. I want okay. equity
2: in everything you do, just on the record. <laughs> and I miss Disco, but I want future equity.
0: Sounds like a plan. Thanks again, Kristen, and we'll catch up soon. All right, that is a wrap. Want to give a big shout out to my dear friend Kristen Berman, Dan Ariely, for not totally kicking me to the curb for butchering your slides at CTOF almost a decade ago, and the whole team over at Irrational Labs just appreciate that team uh, for all their support over the years. We've got a big week coming up. We got a pretty incredible guest joining the show next week with Chris Yeh and myself. I don't want to spoil it, but she's a legend. And we've got other big things cooking here at the Assassins Podcast coming up. I think uh, think it's going to be a big month. Excited to share a couple upcoming interviews. We're going to run back Monday Morning Quarterback. And I'd love to hear from you. If there are particular guests or topics you want us to interview on the show, Hit me up at at justin.assassins.com, right in there. Love to hear your feedback. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your platform of choice. Appreciate everybody that tunes in. Wouldn't be doing this without y'all. Until then, keep hustling, keep grinding, and keep getting
1: that money. Dollar oh, signs, sh- 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 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. hustle, grind. Assassin's state of mind, uh, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, <laughs> assassin's state of mind, Assassin state of mind, sh- hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin's <coughs> <coughs> state <to> of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, Assassin state of mind, Assassin state of mind, hustle. Grind. see them dollar signs way above the bottom line Assassin's state of mind they say money over everything everything engage in the game shopping for a wedding ring salary startups crypto stock exchange appreciate every penny i can change one phone call and your life can change what's your love language can't do business if it ain't reciprocated